Hey, SDF Student Ministries, Devin here bringing you our final week of our waitlisted series. And I'm actually looking at my phone right now. Um, I have a countdown open and currently that countdown is at 242 days and about two hours and 48 minutes or so. Um, so what do you think this, think yourself, what do you think this countdown is? 242 days out, what are we out from? Actually, it is actually a really popular thing, apparently, that you can find. I, I found that today, uh, that you can find countdowns for Christmas. Um, and I, I've, as we've been going through this waiting series, waiting on things, I think a common thing that a lot of us or that a lot of people in general just get excited about is having some sort of countdown or waiting for Christmas. I think of when I think of um, being impatient, I think of being a kid and on waiting for Christmas morning to open presents and stuff. I think that's a big, uh, a common thing that people think of when you think of waiting. Um, but part of that process of waiting for Christmas even starts earlier, and it's that process of the decorating and what that means. When do you start listening to Christmas music? Um, whenever your family starts doing stuff together. And so the the decorating process is a big part of the anticipation and waiting for Christmas to arrive from choosing a tree, decorating the tree, hanging the Christmas lights, baking cookies. Um, it's supposed to be a fun family memory, but I mean, let's be honest, sometimes it's the opposite of that, right? Um, I mean, think to yourself, are you someone that loves uh, decorating your with your family or do you think it's boring or exhausting? Um, maybe it, it, maybe even your family, it turns into a big family fight every year, uh, deciding what goes where and everything. Um, so whether you're excitedly waiting for Christmas morning to arrive, the waiting can be painful. Um, but you know, what's even more painful is waiting while you're fighting with the people you live with. And so obviously our conversation today is not really going to be about Christmas, but what it is about is family fights, waiting getting sick of waiting, and wanting to give up. Uh, because the last few weeks we've been talking about waiting, and not just waiting for Christmas Day, but we've talked about waiting during really difficult periods of our lives. Um, and, and so far, the last three weeks, we've learned that God has a plan, but you might have to wait for it. Uh, we've also, second week, we learned while you're waiting, God is faithful. And last week, we've talked about while you're waiting, God is listening. But let's be honest here, sometimes when we've been waiting and waiting and waiting, we just get tired. And sometimes it feels like everyone is against us during that when we're tired, like we're trying so hard to hold some really heavy things and no one is offering help. Sometimes we want to give up. Um, I can think back, there was plenty of times while I was in college, uh, when you're just struggling to stay up doing a test, juggling uh, any friends, family, schoolwork, sports, a job, all of that, trying to juggle everything together. It just felt like I just felt like giving up. It felt like God's plan for me, which um, was for me to go through college. That was God's plan for me to get through college and get to um, do something with that. And, and it's been a huge part of my life looking back now. But I mean, at the time, it was hard to see. I was exhausted. I didn't have a lot of hope. Um, and it was a struggle every night to keep going through that uh, because there's so many reasons why we, why we might want to give up hope uh, maybe you've been trying really hard but nothing seems to be changing maybe you have tried to make wise choices but the people around you don't seem to support that or maybe your family's just a mess and it doesn't seem to be getting any better um, and especially when we feel alone 
unsupported, or even abandoned by others, it's not always easy to believe that we can keep going when we've already spent so much time waiting. Uh, and we're going to look at one character from the from Scripture who understands this. Uh, we're going to look at Joseph and his importance in, in the Old Testament of the Bible. Um, so in your Bible, we're going to turn actually to Genesis, if you're following along. Um, and Joseph's story begins when he's actually just 17 years old. So we're going to be in Genesis uh, chapter 37. Uh, verses 2 through 11, and it says, This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, when suddenly my sheaf rose and it stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So basically from this, Joseph was, Joseph was his dad's favorite son, um, and it was pretty obvious to the other brothers that this was true. Jacob loved Joseph so much that he gave him um, this special ornate robe, is what it says, um, as special treatment above everyone else. And you can imagine how awkward that would make things between Joseph and his brothers. Um, and then to make things even more awkward, God began speaking to Joseph in his dreams, letting Joseph know that he would one day rule the nation, including his brothers. Um, and instead of keeping this to himself, like he probably should have, uh, Joseph shared all of this with his, with his brothers, which seems like a genius idea, right? Share that with the people who are already jealous with you. Now tell them that you're going to rule over them. Um, and so instead of taking the hint that his brothers didn't appreciate being told uh, about these, uh, yeah, about being told Joseph would one day be their boss, Joseph continued telling his brothers about these visions from God. He tells them a second one. Um, and of course, after that, things get even more tense. Um, so now we're going to flip over to, we're going to, or we're going to continue in verses 12 through 28. So this is a longer section I'm going to read. Um, now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. 
Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him his robe, uh, which was the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. So, when Joseph's brothers finally had enough of hearing Joseph talk about his awesome, like all these things that he God's promised to him, they decided to get rid of him. Um, and at first, they do plan to kill him, um, but one of the brothers convinces the others to spare his life and sell him into slavery instead. And I guess, like hindsight, that's an improvement from murder. But in the in, according to Joseph, he didn't know they were going to kill him. It's still a pretty terrible spot for him to be on. So like, let's not imagine that this brother. Um, is like a big hero in the story or anything. I mean, can you imagine what Joseph must have been experiencing uh, when he realized how much his own family hated him? He may have known they were jealous before, but jealousy doesn't always equal. I mean, we are jealous of people. We're not trying to sell our siblings into slavery, right? This is truly hatred towards him. Um, can you imagine what he was thinking while he's waiting in the well? He's stuck in a, in a well. That's what the cistern is, is, is a well. Um, and can you imagine what he realized he'd be he'd be thrown into a foreign country where he knew absolutely no one. He's 17 at the time. Um, and while he traveled on that caravan, caravan waiting to find out where he'd end up and how he'd be treated when he arrived. Cause he, he's a, he's been sold into slavery. His, his treatment is not guaranteed. You could, you could get someone that treats their slaves very well, or you could get someone that uh, treats them very poorly. Uh, you don't, you don't know. And, and that's enough uncertainty and, uncertainty and loneliness to make most people just completely give up hope. But that's not even the end of Joseph's misfortunes. Uh, when he arrived in Egypt, God gave Joseph a ton of incredible opportunities and probably even seemed to be looking up for him. Uh, but then more difficult situations arise. We're going to look at um, Genesis 39 here. Um, it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted his care uh, and to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. And now Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. 
With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater than this house. in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though he spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused, or and, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went to that into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, "Come to bed with me." But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us to cut, I guess, came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. So, just when things were beginning to look up for Joseph, he faced a whole new set of difficulties. I mean, can you imagine at this point what Joseph must have been experiencing? I mean, when he was being preyed upon by powerful people, uh, when he had no one to turn to, he's in this foreign country, he knows nobody. When he's abandoned by the people he thought were his allies, and when he realized he was going to be thrown in jail unjustly. Once again, that's enough to make most people give up hope right there. I mean, think to yourself, if you were Joseph in these situations, what would you be doing? Would you give up? I mean, maybe you get violent and punch somebody. Maybe you you do trust God in this situation. Maybe you have no idea how you would handle that situation. This isn't even the end of Joseph's misfortunes, but let's see um, what's next. Um, we're going to keep going. There's in uh, verse 20. Um or the second part of it, it says, But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So Joseph continued to live in the prison for years, forgotten by the Pharaoh and his own family. Joseph even had a chance to be freed, but his opportunity was lost when Joseph was forgotten. And so I'm not going to keep going with the rest of the story because the point of what we're talking about is the waiting part. If you're curious, you can keep reading in the book of Genesis and, and read Joseph's whole story, which I encourage everyone to do. Um, it's an incredible story. Um, so today what, I mean, we're talking about what to do when you're sitting in the dark, waiting for help, looking for hope, and you're uncertain about your future. When Joseph was in this position, he had every reason to give up and lose hope, but he didn't. Even though everything seemed to be going wrong and Joseph wasn't sure if he'd ever make it out of prison or if God would ever fulfill that promise of making G Joseph the ruler of a nation, because remember, that is what God promised him all this time, and it seems like no, he's nowhere near the fulfillment of that promise. Joseph knew God was still with him. While he was waiting, God had a plan. God was faithful. And God was listening. In all that time, God never gave up on Joseph. So Joseph never gave up on God. And if you're waiting on God right now, don't give up because God's not giving up on you either. And you might be thinking that 
I mean, this sounds all great, but all you're, all I'm saying is don't give up, but I'm leaving out the how. So how do we not give up? How do I find hope when things feel hopeless? And how do I hang on when I feel like I'm all alone? So here are five um, just thoughts, ideas on how to do that. So first, talk to God and don't stop talking to God. Like we talked about last week, tell God how you feel and what you're experiencing. Even if those are negative, what you consider negative emotions, if you're feeling lonely or sad or tired or hopeless, share those things with God, then ask for help to hold on. Second, talk to other people. Uh, Joseph may have been abandoned alone, but you're not. Even if you feel that way sometimes, I mean, on top of your friends and family, uh, our youth group, um, I'm a person, I'm here available, the other leaders in our youth group, you have people around you who you can talk to. If you're overwhelmed or feeling hopeless, let's talk about it. We're here to walk you through or walk through it with you. Number three, remember remember God is stronger than you think. When Joseph was in that well, he never could have guessed the opportunities God would give him in Egypt. When he was in prison, he had no idea what God had in store for his future, and when he was betrayed by his brothers, he couldn't have anticipated the way God would one day restore their relationship. God did all of those things and more, and that's the same God who's telling you right now not to give up. God is stronger than you think. Number four, when remember you're stronger than you think. You're made in the image of that same God. You're wonderfully created by a creator who designed you on purpose. You are strong, capable, and resilient. And when your strength fails, and it will, remember that in your weakness, God is strong on your behalf. And lastly, choose hope. Hope isn't just something that happens to us. I mean, in many ways, it's something that we can actually choose to do. We can choose. We choose hope uh, when we fill our minds with what's good and true. We choose hope when we choose to talk about our struggles rather than trying to handle them alone. And we choose hope when we tell God how much we need help. And we choose hope when we decide not to give up no matter what. So what are you waiting for right now? And how are you not going to give up? Will you talk to God Will you talk to someone you trust? Remind yourself of God's strength. Remind yourself of your strength. And are you going to choose hope? I mean, no matter how different our situations are right now, we can all do something to choose hope, trust, and perseverance. I mean, so I want you to spend time this week reflecting, praying, and deciding uh, what your next steps will be, whatever situation what that you're currently in i mean as we close out this series uh, i hope you find hope in the stories we've shared about the men and women who waited on god first we talked about abraham and sarah and they remind us that god has a plan but we might have to wait for it paul and silas remind us that while we're waiting god is faithful david reminds us that while we're waiting god is listening and joseph reminds us that while we're waiting we can't give up because God's not giving up on us. So matter what, so no matter what you're waiting for right now, keep going because God's not finished yet. And I hope you take that as a truth this week. Continue to pray on it, reflect on it, take it as gospel. Thank you guys for listening and I'll see you for our new series starting next week.